1: once again my name is Jeff Kerr happy hump day happy Wednesday I don't know why I'm so fired up today maybe it's because the preseason is essentially over 53 man rosters initial 53 man rosters have been settled I'm happy because we got football in eight days college football really kicks off this week we got real football in eight days I'm not saying college football isn't real football I'm talking about real NFL football here so got to Make sure I get my words right there. But I'm telling you guys, if you're an Eagles fan, you got to be excited today. Howie Roseman fixed the safety position. And I thought he would do something. I did not think he was going to end up getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Not in the slightest. I thought maybe they'd pick up a guy on the waiver wire, like a Tony Jefferson or something like that. But I, I, I... I'm stunned. I, I really am. Um, not stunned at the player they got. I'm kind of stunned at what little they gave up for, Car- for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So let's just break down the trade here. The Eagles acquire Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and a 2025 <laughs> seventh-round pick. Yeah, we're already thinking three years from now with seventh-round picks. That's, that's Howie Roseman. You know, He plays chess while everybody's playing checkers here. The Saints receive a 2023 fifth-round pick, so the Eagles lose that, and a, the latter of the their two 2024 sixth-round picks. That That's it? For Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? I got a story for you. One of those picks the Eagles gave up used to be J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. How did that work out? Because the Eagles traded J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for Ugo Amadi, and they got a six back for Ugo Amadi, which they're essentially sending over. That extra six they're going to send over to the Saints. Pretty wild stuff. So you basically traded J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for Chauncey Garner-Johnson, who's been a baller for the Saints since he entered the league. Entering his fourth year, final year of his rookie contract, I'm just going to say this to Eagles fans right now. The Eagles did not trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to have him walk after this year. They'll get a deal done. I don't know what the deal is with the Saints. Our guest later today, Maddie Hudak from the Saints Wire, she'll be able to tell us. That's why I got her on. She knows Chauncey Gardner-Johnson probably better than anybody. Um, Yeah, I'm stunned. They're, They're stunned in New Orleans. He was a really good player on that defense. By the way, he's a real good trash talker. So you got Chauncey Garner-Johnson and Darius Slay trash talking. That's going to be a fun secondary. But I wanted to talk about the 53-man rosters. And I guess we will start with the Eagles. I don't want to brag. I did get 50 of 53 right. I mean, who would have guessed Chauncey Garner-Johnson was going to be an Eagle? But that came at the expense of Anthony Harris, who was released. Now, the Eagles did leave some wiggle room there and said he might come back, which I wouldn't mind that. Anthony Harris came back as a third safety on this team. Obviously, his role changed with Chauncey Garner-Johnson being in the fold. So Marcus Setz and Chauncey Garner-Johnson will start. Reed blankenship Re-blankenship for Middle Tennessee State. Or Middle Tennessee won. He made the team. He had a great preseason. He had a great camp. He deserved it. Only three undrafted free agents made this team. The longest of long shots, Josh Sills, offensive lineman, made the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles didn't have any footage of him. You know what picture they used to announce he made the roster? Him riding a bike at the Eagles Autism Challenge. If you were there, you probably didn't even know who he was. Probably you were just thinking, oh, that's an NFL player. He's on the Eagles. Yeah, now he is on the Eagles. Beat out Jack Anderson, who deserved a job. Jack Anderson is a good player. He'll find work. The Eagles are a deep football team. They're a very deep football team. There are a lot of good players they had to cut. Deion Cain was one of them. I don't think Britton Covey impressed much in preseason. He definitely didn't win the return job like they thought he would. But he's a good player, and he would a bill on this team last year. Same with Deion Kane. I know everybody wants to talk about Jalen Rager. The Eagles were not cutting Jalen Rager. It cost too much money to cut him. It's not about pride here. The Eagles got rid of J.J. Ardangal-Whiteside. Pride's out the window. It's about money. It's about being smart with your money. There's no fifth-year option on Jalen Rager. There's not going to be, unless he just has an incredible year, which it's going to be hard to do when you're pretty much the number five wide receiver in the stack group. But Jalen Rager is probably going to be the return man, I'm assuming. Um, there are other guys that they could use, I guess, but it's going to be Rager For better or worse. I'm not crazy about it, but it's got to be around here. And Eagles haven't found a trade partner for Rager yet. Yet. Remember, there's no trade deadline here. Um, Kept three running backs, the usual three, Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. I expect them to improve there. I'm, I expect the Eagles to improve the, at the running back position. Matt Lombardo was on here yesterday. He said, look, for Sonny Michelle. You could see that as a fit. They've called about Alexander Madison. I'm curious to see what they would have to give up for him. But I think they're going to improve there. They just can't go with the three they got, especially with Miles Sanders' injury. Kennedy Brooks, I think, would have made this team last year. I thought he had a really good preseason. I was talking to a couple people about Kennedy Brooks. And this was from the first preseason game. Reese in that just did not see him open a lot of times in that first preseason game. So, Kennedy Brooks knows how to get open. Not bad for an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma. So, I think last year, Kennedy Brooks, Kennedy Brooks makes this team, but this is 2022, and the Eagles are going to be really good. They should be really good, at least on paper. At least on paper, they should be really good. They probably should be the favorites in this division. And Chauncey Garner Johnson just confirms that they're loaded on the offense. Their defense is definitely more talented than it was last year. Hot seats on John Fagan, but we'll see. They should improve. With the talent they have, there's no excuse for this Eagles team to not be a top-10 defense in 2022. There there just isn't. Their major weakness they filled. Do they need depth there? Absolutely. Do they need more depth? Yes. I'm not crazy about Kayvon Wallace. I ain't think he deserves a job, but he made the team. Congratulations. I, I hope he keeps improving. Because I do like Kayvon Wallace the person. But the Kayvon Moss, football player, needs a lot of work. Reed Blankenship, more than a for him. Same with Josiah Scott. Can play corner, can play safety. It's basically the sixth corner, fifth safety. I like that. And he's a really good special team. But overall, the Eagles should be favorites in the NFC East. Let's get to the Cowboys here. Their 53-man roster came out. I know Eagles fans were paying attention to that, but you Cowboys fans. One quarterback? Really? You couldn't sell on Cooper Rush or Will Greer? So you're just going with Dak? Now I get it. It, it, It's roster maneuvering. I I understand that. They're trying to get Cooper Rush back from waivers. Will Greer back from waivers. That's going to happen because they both are not... Will Greer was better than Cooper Rush in the preseason, but I don't think teams are rushing at the door to get Will Greer. But I will give the Cowboys credit on this. If they decide to improve at backup quarterback, which they probably should. There are some interesting guys that are available right now. Mason Rudolph is one of them. Now, you'd have to trade for him, but he's a heck of a lot better than anything you got right now. You don't have anything. I know Steelers fans are like, please take him off our hands. Mason Rudolph isn't going to be the top quarterback there. And he had a good preseason. That's Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. Mike Tomlin won't decide yet. So Mason Rudolph's available. Here's a shocker Anthony Brown from the Baltimore Ravens was waived. Rookie. Did not expect that. I thought the Ravens would go with three quarterbacks. But I guess when you have Tyler Huntley backing up Lamar Jackson, I, I guess, you know, the, the Ravens are deep too. So something had to give there. So Anthony Brown's going to be available. If I'm Dallas, I'm seriously considering him. The Giants have to cut Davis Webb. They did not want to do that. But the Giants have so many holes every other place. And Tyrod Taylor's going to be fine. So they went with two quarterbacks. So those are the main ones here. Uh, Tyler Smith's going to be the left tackle. Jerry Jones confirmed as such yesterday. I know I've been talking about it every day, but it will be Tyler Smith. Which means Connor McGovern goes to left guard. Tyler, I, I can never pronounce his, ring, his name right. Uh, Tyler Bayadaz. The center, he'll be the center, obviously. One of the few holdovers from last year. Um, So you got that. You got Zach Martin at right guard. Terrence Steele at right tackle. But the left side of the line is going to be the major concern. But this is probably the best option for the Cowboys going forward, what they got right now. Um, it's Tyler Smith is not Tyron Smith. He's not even going to be close to Tyron Smith. But the Cowboys can get competent left tackle play. I think they'll be okay. Their defense is pretty good. I, I gotta give them credit. Their defense is gonna be pretty good. The Anthony Barr signing is huge for them. It's gonna free up Michael Parsons. He's gonna be allowed to rush the passer, which their defensive line's already good. But you got Demarcus Lawrence coming back. They were hoping Neville Gallimore would have a good preseason. He did, so it looks like he's gonna factor in there. Lane Vanders just had a good preseason. We'll see if it translates. He hasn't been. Good since his rookie year in 2018, but Lane Van Der Esch has a good year. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what. A Cowboys defense could get them the NFC East. It could. Uh, secondary, I like to say what you will about Trayvon Diggs. He does have good number two corners behind him, obviously, with Anthony Brown. Again, nice player. Anthony Brown's a nice player. Can't go wrong there. Um, by the way, the Cowboys don't have a kicker right now on their roster. They cut Brett Mayer, but he's going to be back. So, But right now, they don't have a kicker or a long snapper on their roster. I, how they did it was interesting, their, their way of roster construction. But they're going to be making a lot of changes today. A lot of guys that were cut, I think they're going to bring back. Um. The Giants. Uh, Matt Breida is going to be the backup to Saquon Barkley. No surprise there. Um. Darius Slayton State. He stayed, and which is good for the Giants. They couldn't find a trade partner for him, but they really should have kept Darius Slayton to begin with. Uh, you know, I went on a about Darius Slayton yesterday. Uh, he could still be traded, but again, they need him. It's their wide receivers are Kenny Galladay, Wendell Robinson, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, David Sills. Galladay's terrible. He's overpaid. I mean, he could still be good. He still has the talent there, but just doesn't look like a fit right now, but we'll see. Uh, Tony, I think, is going to be a good fit in Dable's offense. Struggled a little bit in his rookie year, came back strong. Shepard's on the pup list. Wendell Robinson seemed to be a good draft pick out of Kentucky. Sills had a good preseason. So, yeah, but they still need to keep Darius Slayton. Uh, Their are starting offensive lines a lot better. It, it's still the Giants here. But this is much better than the group two years ago. I'm going to run it through here. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, getting better. Shane Lemieux, okay, he's fine, not great. John Feliciano, okay. Uh, they signed Mark um, Bonowski from the Colts. It's good signing. It's good signing. They needed their interior the offensive line is not good, but they got two good tackles in Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. Evan Neal was a good pick for that. I thought he probably should have went number one in the draft, honestly. So I think that's a good pick for them. Um, Aziz Ujari, Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be their edge rushers. Again, I like that, but Thibodeau is going to be out to start the year. It looks like looks like he won't be ready for week one. Still, though, that's it's a pretty solid group. Pretty solid group there. Their quarterback situation is what, what's going to kill them. Adoree Jackson, Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes. Expect the Giants to be active on the waiver wire today at cornerback. They just don't have the stars and they don't have the depth. That's what's going to kill the Giants this year. Their quarterback position is just not good. So be fortunate if you're an Eagles or a Cowboys fan. Finally, I'll go to Washington real quick here. They did keep Brian Robinson on the active roster. So, good move by them. They kept four running backs. I thought that was really cool that they were able to do that, that they did do it. But it's going to be Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Jonathan Williams. Jonathan Williams probably would not have made the team if the unfortunate circumstances happened for Brian Robinson. Will Logan Thomas be ready for week one? Uh, Remember, he's coming off the ACL injury. People have been scared of him in fantasy because he's not going to start right away. John Bates and Cole Turner were the main options. They're hurt, so they're really, really struggling right now at tight end. And as we all know, especially in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz, he goes to tight ends a lot. So they kept five tight ends due to those injuries. That's going to change too, but five tight ends on a roster is pretty crazy. But that's that's the situation they're in right now. They're they're battling, they're battling injuries. Um, their offensive line is gonna be Charles Leno, Andrew Norwell, Chase Ruler, Trey Turner's the replacement for Brandon Sheriff Sharif, and Sam Cosme. Cosme's been fine. Charles Leno's one of the better tackles in football. It's an underrated group. It, it really is. It's an underrated group. Casey Toohill. Remember Casey Toohill Eagles fans? He got cut. 7th round pick got cut in his first um, training camp. He might be starting for Washington this year until Chase Young comes back. So he'll be starting opposite of Montez Sweat. I thought that was kind of cool. Their linebacking group is really weak. I, I mean, really, really weak. Cole Holcomb, Jameen Davis. They don't have a lot of depth there. Linebackers clearly the weakest position on their roster. Benjamin St. Juice is their number three corner Again, Kendall Fuller is a good starter, but they they need depth at quarterback. So at corner so expect them to be active there. Um, and again, William Jackson, their another strong player. They're they're good starting at cornerback, but they need some depth. They really do. Eagles are pretty deep there. Cowboys are pretty deep there. Giants and Washington, not so much. That's why that's a main reason. In a passing league, that's what separates the Eagles, Cowboys from the Giants and the Commanders. They got some work to do. So yeah, um overall though, I just got to say this. I think the Eagles are the best team on paper in this division, but I think the Cowboys have the most top-heavy talent now that the 53-man rosters are out. And then you got Washington, then you got the Giants. So, I, I mean, the Eagles definitely won the 53-man roster battle because they got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of the deal. We'll see who wins waivers today. That comes at 12 p.m. Giants and Washington are going to be active. Dallas is going to be active. And I'm sure the Eagles will be active. It, it's, But definitely the other three NFC East teams outside of Philadelphia. They're, they're going to be looking to fill out their rosters. Okay, well, I got through that pretty quick, but we'll get ready for Maddie Hudak from the Saints Wire, from ESPN Radio. She's going to come talk the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson trade, what the Saints are going to do now, how the Saints' outlook is compared to the rest of the NFC. It's going to be a fun time. Maddie Hudak coming up next.
0: icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace Jim is my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass.
1: Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
0: Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles
1: Uh, We've got a special guest today, Maddie Hudak from the Saints Fire. A bit of her heart was ripped out at around 11, 28 yesterday when Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was traded to the Eagles. How, you did, how have you been, Maddie?
2: <laughs> well, you know, like you said, I was kind of minding my business yesterday until that all blew up really quickly. And it's been very whirlwind ever since.
1: Tell me about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. What are Eagles fans getting from him right now?
2: I mean, you're kind of getting the perfect player for the Eagles, right, um, in terms of energy and, and what he can do in the mental game. like I, I think it really went down last year because of the taunting penalty because that's really you know, affecting the integrity of the game. And to his credit, like he really shut down a lot of what he did the year before that. But I'm sorry, that's a, that to me is an elite skill when you're able to get multiple players ejected from games to the point where teams are game planning just for your temperament. Like the Chicago Bears, I don't know if they should have necessarily admitted that because they got two players ejected in that wild card game, but they're like, we had a whole meeting about dealing with CJ Arnold Johnson, uh, but I know slot corner is not necessarily a universally valued role, but I think when you don't have a good slot corner, you kind of quickly see where you're going to miss that. Although I, from what I've seen, he's probably going to move into more of a safety role with you guys, but. Think you're getting the perfect personality, perfect energy for Philadelphia, and then hopefully, really good guy. Uh, you know, backpedaling into more split safety coverage. Did he play a lot of safety in New Orleans? He played a lot of nickel. Uh, I'm trying to think back to his kind of earlier years, but you know, Mar- Marcus Williams has always been free safety until this year. Uh, I think his entire time being on the Saints, um, and the same with Malcolm Jenkins at strong safety. So I don't just think we've really gotten the opportunity to see him there yet.
1: So how did Dennis Allen utilize him? I, I guess since he did play a lot more slot, it was, that was his primary role. But overall, like, did he just kind of move around, like, from position to position on the field, or was he just strictly slot?
2: He kind of brought, uh, pretty much exclusively stayed there. He blitzes quite a bit too. Um, and, you know, I think the reason, like, the Malcolm Jenkins thing gets brought up a lot is, you know, the I think the Eagles run kind of a, Similar defensive scheme to the Saints sometimes, where they utilize more defensive backs than perhaps the average team. So, like the Saints base package was basically nickel, and they run so much out of nickel, they really only play two linebackers. So, even though it's really only been in the slot, he's pretty much been on the field you know, the majority of the game. And when he was out for about five games last year, you could kind of see a lot of the defense start to kind of fall down in that middle area. I'm not, you know, I think they'll be able to kind of account for it this time, but got to quickly see how much his presence was missed there.
1: I have to ask you, though, what are the Saints doing here? Like, they, they literally just traded Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for a pick the Eagles got for a guy that they got rid of two weeks ago, and then they brought in a guy named Ugo Amadi, and they traded him to get the pick that they used to acquire Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Like, what Like is, what is Mickey is doing down there?
2: Yeah, I mean, them adding the seventh in on top of everything was tough for the Saints because you're just not really understanding what's going on here. So that, that trade just really reads to me like this situation became one that they didn't feel like they wanted to see out the entire season. Uh, I, I just don't, you know, clearly there was some you know discontent being that they were about $4 million apart in contract negotiations. And it kind of seemed like there were hurt feelings on both sides from that aspect. Um I'm sorry, what was your original question again? But oh, yeah, kind much. of what the Saints are doing with this trade. Um, and when you wait till the day that everyone's, you know, chewing their roster down to 53, it's not really the optimal time to make a trade. And again, you know, he values himself higher, but he ultimately is, you know, been primarily a nickel in the NFL, and that's not always like a team need necessarily. So I think just worked out where the Eagles could use him, but it's hard to say, you know, the Saints came out of that better Like, yes, they have a really deep defensive back room, but they didn't, you know, they objectively got worse than they were, just losing such a good player. And then, you know what? Are they really going to do a fifth and sixth round pick other than kind of package them probably in another trade in the future?
1: You were at Saints camp a lot. Was he vocal about this? Did he even talk about his contract?
2: Not not really. Uh, There was, you know, one time where he got hurt and said some things, uh, but... You know, he, he wasn't practicing, but then once he was, it didn't really seem like that much had changed. So I was actually, you know, a little surprised to read that he had kind of stopped, you know, responding to coaching. Um, Nick Underhill, who's like our top beat writer, had uh, reported that, you know, it was kind of behind the scenes things that were happening. And I guess you could have probably been a little more perceptive towards them, but it wasn't like a very obvious thing that stuck out like a sore thumb. So like I said, I just don't know if it's a behind the scenes thing or if things got worse in the last couple of days, or it just seemed like. This is a good fit. He'll fit in here, to be honest. Like, they could have shifted him off to a much worse spot. You know what I mean? It's not. I don't think they did him wrong in the sense of sending him somewhere where he's not really going to have, you know, a good time next year. The Eagles are at least, you know, a very competitive team. So, I think that that just kind of worked out. Now,
1: Eagles fans are going to be rooting for the Saints a little bit this year. Not to win, though. To lose. Yes, because they do got the first-round pick here and. How are the Saints going to be this year? Because this is a big loss for them.
2: I think they have the personnel to be able to handle it. You know, their their draft pick, Alante Taylor, he's very versatile um in that aspect. He used to be you know wide receiver and now has kind of moved to cornerback, but he can play safety. And I think the idea is trying to see if he'll be able to move in there. Um it just it's it's a depth thing, and then again, it's it's not really getting anything in return. But barring their very weak or very late by week, which at that point to me, week 14 by week is not a by week. It's just yeah. you know, the day off at that it's point. Um, I think they have all the pieces. I think they have, you know, a favorable opening schedule um, considering the state of Tampa Bay's offensive line. And if they're able to kind of win three divisional games right out the bat, that puts you in a good spot for the season. Uh, but I think that, Everything went wrong last year, and they still won not nine games, and some of those are like two point losses where the kicker was just missing everything. So those just having will lets back honestly, I, I do feel like will make a difference for the Saints to be a playoff team this year. I don't really see why they aren't.
1: Yeah, and you know, you kind of led to my next question there. So we're looking at the potential playoff teams in the NFC. It seems like you know you got your usuals: Green Bay, Tampa Bay, LA. But after that, it just kind of it seems wide open there, and I I don't want to say the Saints are on the commander's level because I think they're better than them, but it seems like a playoff spot's going to come down to, like, the Saints, the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Eagles there. I mean, well, what are your thoughts? I, I see you rolling your eyes there a little bit.
2: It's just like you would have never said that two or three years ago with Drew Brees on the team. You know what I mean, saying that they're the same. I, I do get it. I just think the Saints are they are never really seen as – anything but kind of an underdog, which I do prefer to an extent. But like again, I'm like, I don't know why if they had won three more games last year, I put them at 12 and five and, you know, they beat Green Bay last year. They beat Tampa Bay twice last year. They beat the commanders last year for that matter. They did beat the Vikings last year. So, you know, I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't necessarily be a tier above them. But my thing with the saints is, and this is really the case for every team health is really a concern at times and just specifically where they tend to have people fall down, you know, especially like the pass rush. Um, so I think they have really vulnerable spots that could really tip those scales in one way or the other. But I think with that extra playoff spot too, like every team you mentioned, um, I, I feel like it really wasn't a, a race for that last spot last year, if I remember correctly, it was more like a harsh drop-off after the fact. So I think it's really just up to kind of each team to, do what they want to do this year but the, the vikings i mean i i it's hard for me to like put them up in that exact same category but at the same time they do get the same trouble so it's really every any given sunday if you ask me do you, why do you think it's
1: everybody just kind of overlooks the saints it's, is it really because of Jameis winston people just say oh Jameis winston the guy who did 30 picks with tampa
2: I don't know. Um, it's been this weird thing where they kind of tended to do that with Drew Brees too a lot. But yeah, I think they deal with Jameis Winston and that he, you know, only played a couple games last year, and everyone kind of conveniently forgets that they only threw three picks in that time. But yeah, they, I mean, it's a new head coach. It's not Drew Brees anymore. I just think the perceptions of moving on from like a franchise head coach to franchise quarterback at the same time, people think it's kind of insurmountable, but. I really think the Saints, for what it's worth, have really prepared at least for having the right culture there to be able to make that change over, and you really can tell it's it's not that much of a difference um, in terms of feeling at training camp, at least, with Dennis Allen there compared to Sean Payton, which is you know really surprising to me because last year didn't really feel that jarring either without Drew Brees, even though I feel like it should have more. So I just think that they really have done a good job in that foundational aspect, but That never really seems to get national uh, recognition, I guess.
1: Down there, did you get any inkling that last year was Sean Payton's last year? Because every time I was in a Zoom call or something like that with him, it it seemed like he wanted to keep coaching.
2: Yeah, I think that kind of happened abruptly towards the end of the season. But, you know, if I kind of went back and looked at his body language the last few couple of games, it really wouldn't surprise me that much at all. Um, It was definitely unexpected. Uh, I actually retired my birthday, which was very jarring um, to kind of wake up and have that happen. But, you know, kind of being removed from it, I, this is just, you know, my personal opinion, but I feel like the loss of Drew Brees, at least from an emotional perspective, I think was not taken as much into account. And the Saints are very unique in that way where Hurricane Katrina, that's not really a situation that any other team has dealt with and have that type of relationship. You know Tom Brady and Bill Belichick won a lot of Super Bowls, but there's not that emotional connection in the same way that there is with the two of them. And I just think that it was probably, you know, time for at least him mentally to kind of take a year off. And I don't really blame him in that aspect. I feel like, you know, we talk about this like grind culture all the time where I'm very much a proponent of, yeah, if you feel like you need to take a year off and you're burnt out, then take a year off. So it was definitely shocking, but uh, again, I think they set themselves up really well to you know perpetuate without him be- being there, where I think we all thought very much differently in January. You know, What are the states going to do at this point? How are they going to be competitive this year? Well, you know, it turns out that they've done a better job at kind of making that the case than we thought.
1: I know from the national perspective, and it's probably been like this since, I don't know, 2017, 2018. Like, all Jerry Jones wants is Sean Hayden. And it just seems like that's that could happen but i don't know like isn't there like some clause in the saints contract where it's not that easy to get him?
2: well they have to get up you know i mean he's still under contract until 2024 but from that perspective if i'm the saints i'm trying to get him a job next year you know what i mean because then he's just a free agent after that and I, you're not gonna get anything for him um i mean i think the, the like cowboys have to be up there but i feel like it's going to be something where it's it's kind of sean's team that's not who i personally pick him going to but i i think that the saints will be able to work out some package because like i said it's better to get something for him than nothing
1: what did you guys think of the whole dolphin stuff with oh he's gonna go with tom brandy and all that because it seems like there were there were some legs to it.
2: yeah i from what i know there definitely were legs to that um they're both I mean, they're both from the same hometown. I don't know if you know that. So I think there's like that weird connection there. And he was supposed to actually come to play for the Saints before he signed with Tampa Bay. Um and then Drew Breeze decided to come back last minute. And so seeing that kind of what if thing, and I mean it's Miami. Um, it's not a bad place to go live. And I mean the guy, you know, the owner did get in trouble for tampering. So I feel like there has to be some level of legs there. But that was interesting and kind of random. But <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, what has been like the biggest storyline for you guys? Because the Saints have had a crazy off season. I mean, it, the Alvin Kamara stuff just kind of got swept under the rug with everything going on. Like, what was the biggest storyline down there?
2: I was just about to bring up the Alvin Kamara thing. Like that happened this off season. That seems like impossible at this point. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I really don't know. Like, I feel like. Every month there was a different storyline. You know, they were involved in the Deshaun Watson thing, which is really dominant for a while. But then they shined Jameis Winston, they kind of moved on. I would say the biggest storyline in a positive way, honestly, was kind of bringing back like hometown guys like Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry. Because you can really tell how much of a difference, you know, they made in training camp, Uh, especially in those position groups. Like wide receiver last year, I think everyone knows that that was like a ridiculous topic for the Saints to try to even like talk about who was there. Uh and then safety, you know, they lost both starters and didn't really pick up one during the draft either. So I just think like their arrival and the position groups they were in, but just having this feeling like, you know, there's some connection to New Orleans, like the you could tell the fans have that kind of air with them. So that'll kind of be like my underrated storyline that people might not talk about enough, but I think has made like a definite impact so far.
1: How's Michael Thomas been looking?
2: Well, he's been out with his hamstring issue, but I, he looked, I mean, I didn't see him last year and that was my first training camp. So this was my first time seeing him and you just can't, you know, you can't do anything about how dominant he is. You know, Paulson Adebo was kind of the star of training camp for the Saints at cornerback. And then Michael Thomas came out there and, and bested him three and zero in these drills. And it was good coverage by Adebo. It's just, you really can't guard Mike Thomas. And he was going a lot deeper, you know, third level of the field routes than, we were necessarily used to him, you know, like the slant boy thing, if you will. Um, <laughs> like, as he's definitely, hopefully going to erase that perception. But I just hope, you know, I, I it doesn't surprise me after he's been out for two years to have, like, a soft tissue hamstring issue because just being out for that long and then stopping and starting. But I just hope that it's something that he's able to get back out there soon because I really do think, like, he has a lot of energy that he wants to bring to the table this season. Yeah, it
1: seems like the Saints are going to have a more vertical passing game, at, at least from what they got at receiver. Chris Olave is a stud. Uh, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it; he's a stud. Thomas is Michael Thomas if he's healthy, and now you got Jarvis Landry in there. Uh, what do you think their passing game is going to look like?
2: <laughs> like I said, it's ridiculous to even discuss this. Like, embarrassed into last year, this time last year was you Chris Hogan, Marquez Cowell. It, you know, like what is happening? It's like the
1: Eagles. Like, like seriously, who's Jalen Hurts throwing to? <laughs>
2: yeah. It, it was, and like that being the turnover year for, you know, a new quarterback after 15 years of Derby's was not optimal. But I feel like Jarvis Landry, honestly, is probably one of the more underrated signings because he almost gets lost in that shuffle of Chris Olave, who doesn't look like a rookie. Like he looks like he has been there for a season already at this point. But Jarvis Landry, he's so consistent day in and day out. And, you know, I remember in the preseason game, I think it was on third down, you know, Jameis Winston went right to him. And he's just so reliable. I feel like the Saints really could have used him in those kind of last years with Drew Brees too. Kind of like that Emmanuel Sanders type in a way where it's just such a steady veteran presence. And I think someone like Jameis Winston will really would benefit from that as well. Knowing that Jarvis Landry probably isn't going to run the wrong route and put himself out of position. And the fact that he regularly makes one-handed catches. So even if it's a little off target, like he has the ability to bring that in. But where I looked it up, he did play baseball because I, I was just like, I don't know how he's able to do this with ease so often, but... Yeah, and then you add in guys like Deontay Hardy who just has that, you know, Z-route speed, and it sets Jameis Winston definitely up in a place to succeed, especially compared to last year.
1: Since this is an SEC show, and I know you're not in the SEC, East, you're in the SEC South, but I do have to ask, just an outsider's opinion on this, who do you think is the best team in the SEC? East?
2: Huh. I mean, it's certainly probably not the Commanders, um, It's definitely not the Giants. I mean, it's probably between you guys and the Cowboys. And I think the Cowboys probably have a better quarterback, but I think you guys have like a better all around team. And I do like Nick Sirianni. I like his energy. Um, So probably a toss up. Um, It's hard for me to say without thinking about it, but I just feel like the Cowboys, I don't necessarily agree with having your owner be your GM and seeing how that's kind of worked with their draft choices and, things over the years so probably go all all the Eagles why not give you guys a win or you took our
1: so down down there like do Saints fans not like the Cowboys like how Eagles and Giants and Commanders fans not like the Cowboys it seems like there's like a every every time I see a Saints writer like talking about the Cowboys it's like oh man
2: yeah and I think a lot of that does go back to Katrina in a way because that's where a lot of people evacuated and then they were like I don't know if they ever necessarily got over that it wasn't like you know Roddy White tweeting about it on the Falcons back then, but then they came and paraded on Bourbon Street the day before they played the Saints like a couple years ago. It's just I don't I don't you know I think I've never understood the America's Team thing personally, and that was um, from when I was a kid. I'm like, well, why is this America's Team? Uh, so I yeah I just think they kind of rub Saints fans the wrong way, and then of course you have the people that are convinced that Sean Payton's going there that hate that. So now you have to add that into the mix, but. I, I, there's someone the Saints fans certainly don't like whenever they're playing.
1: Well, since you're on here, I do have to ask you about your Philly connection now. So <laughs> you know when did you grow up in Philly? I, I
2: forget the whole story. Yeah, no, I, I graduated from Tulane and then I got a job at the VA in Philadelphia. Uh, so I moved there after college and I was there for five years and I just well, I moved back to New Orleans in 2021, so it was kind of a long time there. I just did didn't you, have the best time with jobs and, and, like, people at my jobs. So that's where I'm, like, I don't like Philadelphia, but it has something to do with the team or, like, anything like that.
1: So did, what did you see from, like, Eagles fans? Like, did you go to any Eagles games or anything <laughs> during that time? Or
2: I did. I went to uh, the – it was, like, a Cowboys – no, it was Giants-Eagles. I think it was, like, Eli Manning's last game because my friend oh – Yeah, i <laughs> like, I have to come see this. Apparently, Cooper Manning walked by us in the sands. I had no idea. We were like the Um Then I noticed you guys had a jail cell in your stadium. Well, in the vet, <laughs> the vet they did. I'm pretty sure they all
1: have it in the link, So you probably have heard that story before. Like, oh, yeah, if Eagles fans are bad, they get the jail cell. But I'm sure you've heard all the Santa Claus narratives too, right?
2: Oh, no, I have. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I went to a couple sports bars uh, where very quickly I learned your guys' fly eagles. Well, I can't, but. Do the Saints have anything like that? I've never been to a game in the Superdome. Hudat, That's pretty much, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much it. What the chant is, yeah.
1: It's funny because your last name is Hudak, and, you know, <laughs> it's I mean, there.
2: <laughs> it's really worked, yeah, in terms of being in the Saints world, if you will.
1: So what do you do for Tulane? You're a solid reporter for them, correct?
2: Yeah, for the radio broadcast.
1: Okay, yeah, that, that's a, that seems like a lot of fun just covering college in the NFL, like, for for you what's the major difference between both
2: um, to me i feel like there's more of like a human aspect to college football which is not necessarily fair to the NFL but and maybe that's just a byproduct of me kind of seeing them day in and day out but just kind of feels like they're looked at more as like student athletes and just athletes and the NFL it's kind of like these are all robots which i think is a problem but That's kind of where I see the difference being. Um, But it's just such a different experience for me, kind of being more on the coverage aspect for the NFL and then really being more, you know, part of the team itself in college. But I've really enjoyed it so far, even though August is exhausting with two training camps. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, though. Like how you said, NFL guys are kind of like robots and stuff. But when you see, like, Baker Mayfield, I guess I still don't know what that conversation was on or off the record, but when that gets repeated like that, why would you want to say anything to anybody?
2: About what the adult in the room comment or yeah, no, the whole,
1: did, I, did you hear the whole, like his conversation about he was going to beat them up um, the Browns and that sudden subs- I didn't think it was much of a story, but it became one anyway.
2: Yeah. Right. I mean, what are you expected to say? Oh no, I hope they beat us after they, you know, traded me away and, and, traded for who they traded for after I was like the first quarterback to take them to a playoff. And however long, I mean, my dad is a Cleveland, he's from Cleveland. He's no longer a Browns fan. He was, but he was hanging on by a threat at that point. And I like, he wasn't necessarily the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, but he wasn't willing to cut off his fandom for Baker Mayfield. And that's really not the case here. So yeah, I mean, what do you want him to say? Oh, I hope that they do so well. Like it's it sports. It's not like he said, I want to like kill them all. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I mean, oh, yeah. I guess you could interpret it that way, but it's more, I think that he, that was intended in a football way and like, yeah, exactly. And that's always been the way he is. Like he was that chippy too in college and you either like that or don't like that, but I don't think it's a surprise about his personality at this point.
1: Yeah. Do you think Charlesy Garner Johnson's going to say anything about the Saints today? Or do you think it's just going to be like, oh, like he'll, he'll give the PR um, term here. Yeah, I wish him well, that type of thing.
2: I don't know about now, but when the Saints play the Eagles later this year, I'm sure that he'll uh, perhaps be echoing Baker Mayfield on Twitter. And I feel like the Saints are probably expecting that at this point. Cause... Is he an active tweeter or is he like one of those, <laughs> like, he he, he he tweets when,
1: like, because I didn't realize how big of a tweeter A.J. Brown was until he got here. And he just, he has some crazy theories on there. I'll just say that.
2: So CJ's not like a, you know, nut on Twitter, for a rock better term. He does a lot of Twitch streaming, so a lot of his tweets are kind of about that. And he'll just kind of, I mean, he'll just tweet what he's feeling a lot of the time, but <laughs>
1: so I always it.
2: very upfront with how he's feeling. It's not anything like weird and cryptic like a lot of players will do on there, or where they like start deleting all their, I, like... I sometimes long for a pre-social media time where like, that wasn't a story. Like, deleting all the social media stuff where like, Pro Football Talk writes an article. Does he get cut?
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny, too. Like, when I watch old football games, like, from the 90s and stuff, you hear, like, Pat Summerall and John Madden talk about that stuff during the week, but it seemed like it it blew up locally, but not on, like, how we would do it. Like, oh, this person said this. Like, we got to write about it. It it seemed like that was more Monday notes fodder than anything else.
2: Right, like a Peter King column and not – is Tyron Matthew going to get cut from the team? Like, that was just the weirdest take to me. I'm like, cut? <laughs> yeah, He's like, a starting safety. Like, what do you mean, cut?
1: When, when I first hear this stuff, I'm, I just go right to the beat writers. I'm like, guys, please tell me I don't have to write. name. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely crazy how our profession has changed. But I got to ask you this before you go, Matty. Now that the Eagles got Trontagart Gardner Johnson, Gary Slay, Brandon Graham—they—they they got trash talkers across the board. Like, how fun is gonna be? How fun is their defense gonna be this year, just from the outside?
2: I mean, like I said, I think they're very creative in their play calling. I think that they are another team that uses their secondary really well, and you know, it's less of a you know three linebacker base type thing. So, it should be really fun. I'm gonna be really curious to see their usage of C.J. Gardner Johnson because from what I've seen, you know, they have a nickel quarter already. So he'll be at more of a safety role and it'll be really curious to see if that skill set's there, because when the saints didn't have a safety this year, they didn't have, before they signed Tyron Matthew, you know, people were hypothesizing, can't see Johnson really excel back there. So it'll be really curious for me to watch that. But yeah, I think, again, I, I really like your coach. I think he's done a lot for kind of turning the Eagles around in like what two seasons at this point. And I, yeah, I I don't want to play you guys a fourth year in a row, to be honest, because Y'all really had the Saints number so hopefully See, uh
1: it used to be the other way around the Saints used to have the Eagles number when they had Brees and Payton
2: yeah uh I, mobile but, quarterbacks are the Saints kryptonite so
1: yeah um well unless it was Jeff Garcia well then again i, I could get on i could get on that game for Scott Young starting that that was 16 years ago i'm still mad about it <laughs> and then after they won I, I actually said to myself you know what let them have it. They had Katrina. It's some go Super Bowl, let them win the whole thing, and
2: and the loser. Thank fans. you. That's not how a lot of fans felt uh, for other no. organizations, but yeah, that it's it, as much as like the no call really hurts. Still, I think it would all hurt a lot more if that win was never there. So it is nice to just kind of have that to look back on. I know that's not
1: is the something no call or, is the no call worse, or is it the whole um, Stefan Diggs touchdown?
2: It's a no call. Cause like the, the digs touchdown, it's, you can live with that, that, you know, Marcus Williams is a rookie. He made a bad play and ran into his own player. You know, I can sleep at night after that. I can't sleep at night when I've watched a player get headhunted and taken out. Like it was, it was so like distressing for lack of a better term, because it felt like everything I knew about football was suddenly flipped on its head. And like, nothing made sense anymore. And it really did kind of, like, pop the balloon for having that kind of, like, innocent love for the game. Like, I have no innocence about being a fan of football at this point. And if nothing, it's definitely helped me be more emotionally removed. But I think Sean put it best where he said something like, that we had the keys to the kingdom, they just wouldn't let us in the building. Like, that's really how I felt about that. Whereas, like, yeah, I mean, they, like, you know, screwed up in the... uh, Minneapolis game, but that's something I can get over to a degree.
1: Trust me, we're, we're we're used to that in Philadelphia when the Eagles play the Cowboys, or you know, you can ask any Commanders fan what happens there. I, I said I, I respect a lot of things about the Cowboys, but there's always that home bias, I guess I, that that comes out. So <laughs> I, I know you guys probably felt that after the head hunting.
2: Oh, the the head is this the bounty gate stuff or? Yeah. Oh, the the no call is that what Yeah,
1: you yeah, mean? yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then everyone was kinda like, okay, Saints fans, get over it. It's like, okay, would you honestly get over this? Like sincerely. I just feel like then that's where everything gets brought up for the Saints, like, oh, you don't deserve that kind of thing. It's like, okay, that was to me the integrity of the game on the line. And now, you know, we brought in sports betting and their official partner with the NFL, yet we're gonna suspend Calvin Ridley for a year. Like it just so Eat like behind the scenes to me, and that was really you know when my most colored glasses were officially kind of knocked off for myself personally.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. I lost all that years ago. Well, once again, thanks for coming on, Maddie. I appreciate it. I'm gonna have to have you on again, especially when the Saints play Dallas, Saints play all the MC East teams this year, right?
2: Uh, I don't know about the Giants or the Commanders, but they could.
1: Yeah, so I, I yeah, I guess it's possible, but uh definitely when the Saints play the Eagles, I'm gonna have to have y'all.
2: Yes, enjoy seeing J.R. Garner Johnson. Um, please take good care of him, but I know you yes. guys will.
1: All right, sounds great. Thanks for coming on, Maddie. Hey.
2: Right.
1: Uh, Maddie Hudak, always a good guest for us. Um coming up, um, uh, I'll have to pull a Jody McDonald here and put the ball on the show.
2: a philadelphia treasure
0: he's a mentor a pace setter
2: jim is my north star
0: he's trusted revered appreciated he is action news he's compassionate honest and fair he is extremely dedicated motivated and always seeking the truth he's also funny we are a team of many jim gardner is our leader and we're lucky to have him
1: at Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
0: Go for the pulls And the pools. Go for the ooze And the ahs. Go for the bubbles
1: I'm going to wrap wrap this up here. The Athletic came out with win projections after the 53-man rosters were done. Now, they did this over 100,000 simulations, and they might need to go 100,000 more times because uh, you guys are going to be shocked. Everybody in the NFC is going to be shocked when they hear this. So they have the Cowboys coming at 10.6 wins. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. You know, I figure they're, they're still going to win 9 or 10. Probably closer to nine right now, but I think they're a 10-win team. They have the Eagles at nine. Nine. The same win toll as they had last year. The schedule's still weak, and the Eagles are better. I don't know where they're getting nine from. I i, I guess they're not in love with Jalen Hurts. Who knows? But they just got better. They just got Chauncey Gardner, Johnson. they felt filled the weakest hole on their team. I'm sorry. Nine, no. I think the Eagles are a 10-11 win team. I mean, Eagles fans should really be thinking 11 wins and a playoff win at this point. The Commanders at 8.2. Again, I can see that, but the Eagles closer to the Commanders than the Cowboys. I think the Commanders can win 8-9 games this year. Um, Again, it's going to depend on the Saints. It's going to depend on the Vikings. It's going to depend on a lot of things. Um, You should be able to get two wins off the Giants, but We all know in the East that ain't going to happen. I I mean, it's hard. The Eagles split with the Giants last year. And the Giants came in at 6.6. I think we're being a wee little optimistic there. I think the Giants are a better team. But close to seven wins, I don't see it. Even with a weaker schedule. Daniel Jones will probably have to be average to above average for them to win seven games this year. Yeah, I, I I'm not a fan of these. 10.6 for the Cowboys, nine for the Eagles, 8.2 for the Commanders, 6.6 for the Giants. Like I said, go go through the simulator again. Go go a hundred thousand more times. <laughs> yeah, come on. The Eagles and Cowboys are neck and neck. They're neck and neck. They they literally are. I'm tired of hearing about the bang line thing too. Oh, they're both plus 150. The Eagles and Cowboys are plus... Both 150. That's because the Eagles don't have a quarterback. They do have a quarterback. Guess what? Dallas has a quarterback, but they don't have much else. They definitely don't have anybody to protect him right now, at least that I've seen. So, to me, it all starts in the trenches. Eagles have the best offensive line in the division. They probably have the best defensive line in the division. Cowboys are good on the defensive line They're bad on the offensive line. Washington's solid on the offensive line, and they're good on the defensive line, especially when Chase Young comes back. Giants are good on the defensive line, their offensive line's better, but it's still not that great yet. So that's usually how I determine teams, at least how I think they're going to be. Um, I talk to Tony Romo before the season all the time. He's always told me that. He told me the Eagles were going to win 9-10 games last year and be a playoff team. Got right. They were a playoff team. So I'm curious. I'm going to try to talk to him in a week or two, and I'm curious to see his thoughts on that. So, But again, um, this was a great show. Maddie Hudak, I'd like to thank once again. Awesome guest from the Saints Wire. You should follow her stuff there on the Saints Wire. On uh, ESPN Radio, she's on a lot, talking to Lane, talking uh, the Saints. She's busy. I'll, I'll say that. This is her busy time of year, too, uh, just like me. But it's why we do this. It's why we love the job. Uh, coming up next. Birds 365, Joey McDonald, John McMullen. I'm sure they'll have plenty of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson talk. Uh, good morning, NFC East. I'm Jeff Kerr. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.